Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Oh, and hello, Stevie. Happy days are here again, for we yes. are once more the breach Onto the of breach. Picard. Onto the oh, breach. we're such nerds. Yeah, well, listen, hey, we're classy. We have classical educations. Between <laughs> us, we have one classical education, I think. We define classical education, like Latin? Yeah, we got like a little Latin, a little Arabic, some Shakespeare quotes, vague mathematics, technical specifications, musicality. We're yes. one. We are like, I don't know, how would you define Renaissance? Like a, in parts of Leonardo da Vinci? I think we're approaching the higher end of, on a da Vinci scale of one to ten. Together, we're probably we're like, like a Renaissance 8.5. person. Together, we can yes. get to like number eight, maybe? I would go to eight. I would say at we'll least eight in terms of yeah. Renaissance. I mm-hmm. can't draw or paint or anything cool like that. Can you? A little, yeah. Great. I'm That's all we need. Bit, art, bit arty. You yeah, can, you're arty. You're the more musical of the two of us. You can both do a little have, poetry. Yeah. We've got the Shakespeare background, the literature. I speak a bit yeah. of Italian these days. Oh, buonasera. That's all buonasera. I know to say. I don't know. Un bicchiere di agua, per favore. You'd like a something of water, please? I would like a glass of water, please. A glass of water, please? <laughs> Un bicchiere. Un bicchiere. Sounds like a biscuit, doesn't it? Wow. Okay. This is a new way to start our show. <laughs> yeah. <A> little tutorial <laughs> in romance languages. Full disclosure, I'm going to Italy in September, so I'm learning on Duolingo. Oh, and that's wonderful. In yes. fact, you can learn Klingon on Duolingo. And I might. Honestly, I think about it every day. Okay, hey everybody, welcome into the show. This is Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Today's star date is star date 236326.3. And we're discussing Picard, season three, episode six, The Bounty. A crazy episode. I mean, they're only going to get wilder and wilder and wilder. I should hope so. They started out pretty smooth. They had a lot of good, fun hijinks. This one had hijinks, adventure, plot moves forward, some very funny moments, some very sweet moments. I definitely welled up once or twice watching this episode. I enjoyed the awkward hugs. Oh, the hogs were amazing. I love an awkward hug. I mean, it's the only hug I'm really good at, so (laughs) I love an awkward hug. And I have to imagine actors, they probably hug not awkward all the time, so it's truly a feat. When you see them, I've watched a few clips of the Ready Room and I've seen how they're like just so like huggy, touchy, so easy, physical, what do you call it? Physical, what do you call it? Interactions. There's a word I'm looking for. It's emotion or something. I don't know. They're able to display their emotions physically pretty easily. So to be awkward is got to be pretty exciting. Anyway, before we get into all that, we got to do a little bit of business and pay those light bills. Absolutely. Do you want to be a patron? of ours. Do you want to join us 
and be bold and go where no Star Trek fan has gone before, then join us on our patron channel, patreon.com forward slash setphasers. You can join us for watch parties. We're going to be doing an old school three, two, one, go hit play style watch party today. So you're possibly a little bit late for that. But if you wanted to join us for another watch party, we would welcome you with open arms as we would for our Zoom hang hangs that we do. You get early access to all of our episodes. You get to watch our episodes as they happen. That's an exclusive for our patrons. So do join us at patreon.com forward slash set phasers now. Two things to say about that. One, you get to watch live, which means you get to see all the crazy things we get into. And two, we said open arms, and all I could think of was, And now I come to you with, with open, open arms. Okay, great. I'm glad we that... would ask I didn't know if that translated across the pond. Yeah. Was that a big hit Was there, too? To yeah. be fair, at the time I wasn't living in the UK, but I think Celine's, she's international. You're right. What was I even thinking? And that was around the time the Titanic theme came out, so I would think so. I think that's fair. Oh, interesting. Should we get to run it down? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Let's do that instead. It's time to run it down. Can you run it down for me? Talk about the car down. Yeah. Stanley Picard. Listen, you know the Titans on the run. They've been on the run now, not only from the Federation, but also from, as we discover in this opening, Vatic is still alive. The Shrike still exists. And they've been chasing the Titan. And But the Titan has been dropping decoy transponders, which everyone keeps flocking to. So they've been staying ahead of, of both of their pursuers. But we get to see that Vatic is still alive and is extremely frustrated and is yelling at her crew and makes mention of their changeling brothers and sisters who have to keep their faces on until the day that they succeed in taking down the Federation. And also a weird moment where, oh, it's mentioned that the Frontier Day is only 72 hours away. So something big is supposed to happen on Frontier Day when all the ships are together. And actually there is a moment where the helm officer tries to like mutiny on Vatic and Vatic just turns to one of her assistants and has that person vaporized. Vatic is on the hunt and says we'll stop at nothing now to find Picard and we will destroy his life. Very, very Khan-esque monologuing, chewing, literally chewing her cigar and uh, marching around her just smoky, darkened bridge. Meanwhile, we found out maybe the source of Jack's weird visions, irritability, and aggressiveness. He has been diagnosed by his mom with Eremotic Syndrome, which is something he inherited from Jean-Luc Picard. Oh, just saying that reminded me that I've always wanted... I feel like I always thought that Q called Jean-Luc Picard Picard, but I guess he always calls him Jean-Luc. But Vatic does call him Picard. Yes, I knew you were going to enjoy that. I was going to bring that up today, but you, you got there. Find me Picard. Okay, so, yes, Jack has a rheumatic syndrome. Picard goes to talk to him at the 10 Forward Avenue holodeck program. They have a little drink. Jack is swallowing, and he says, oh, I could just be broken, or I could be like those Japanese teacups. I don't know if people know about that thing, but when they, there's like a, I don't know if how 
often or frequent it is, but I recently almost read an article about how when these Japanese, these beautiful Japanese teacups break, when they put them back together, instead of using glue, they use gold. So they put back together all their cracks. So they have that conversation. Jack's sort of like, hey, you know, I got many decades yet to live and who knows what's going to happen with my mind. He storms off. Picard finishes up his drink and then Seven calls to say that they have arrived. Who is they? Air quotes. None other than Worf and Rafi Musiker who beam in. Remember we saw them at the end of the last episode. Worf says it's been 11 years, 5 months, and 4 days since last he and Picard were together. It's good to see everybody, including Riker, who doesn't really understand this new pacifist Worf, but is still glad to see him. A little bit of an issue uh, when Worf refers to the Chateau Picard bottle that Picard sends him every year as a tart like ale or something he's like it's very it's quite tart i guess it's got nothing on blood wine meanwhile they go and so they go into a meeting and shaw is present at that meeting in the like meeting room and Worf explains the whole thing with the changelings and the things that we know from the last one but they've infiltrated starfleet and they stole the what i call the worm anus technology from daystrom but that was a cover-up to to show what they truly had stolen which no one knows and they have to go to daystrom the daystrom institute station which is different than the daystrom institute which is on earth daystrom stations where apparently they keep all the weird strange curious weaponry and other weird things when we get there so what we saw when vadic was flying around in the shrike and we saw a flash of the daystrom institute what did we see exactly if there's the daystrom institute station i'm all confused about where things are with regard to daystrom i'm i don't know that there was always a daystrom station but i'm guessing because daystrom institute is on earth that would be, it just wouldn't make sense for them to have been able to infiltrate Daystrom Institute. And that's where there's like a lot of scientists. But this Daystrom station is like just a floating space station with a lot of terrifying technology on it. Okay, so what Vanek had was the weapon from Daystrom. The station. Okay. And yeah. that's why it had, it said Daystrom Institute on it. Yeah, because maybe it was developed at Daystrom Institute, but it's held at the station. Okay. That's my theory. Thank you. I that's just wanted to clear right up. Now. All of because the, there's like three locations and I'm like where the, is this one thing that's going in mm-hmm. three different places? Where where's the thing? It's just more fun when you have to have hijinks and breaking into things to have a, a cool space station that's all creepy and dark like Alien or something. They have to go to Daystrom Station. They have a key that they got from the Vulcan warlord slash gangster Kryn, and Picard asks for volunteers, and the volunteers are Worf, Rafi, and Riker, who are going to go down to Daystrom Station. Titan warps in. Beams them down, is able to get past the, like, port inhibitor technology, again, maybe with some, something that, that Roe had, and they get there, and they're able to put the key in before the system takes them down or notifies anyone, but once they're on, two ships from the Federation do beam in, and it is Sidney LaForge, who's at the helm of the Titan, who recognizes that these are Esalen-class ships, so they can't fight because they have traceable plate payloads, so if the Titan were to get hit, it would be so much easier to track. So, the key only works for one hour. Titan has to run away. They say they'll be back in an hour. Picard says he has a great idea. Meanwhile, Riker, Worf, and Rafi are exploring Daystrom Station. They see a lot of crazy 
interesting things, which I assume will be in Easter eggs, because I only noticed like one or two, but I bet there's three or four if I looked very closely. Riker tries to tease Worf, and Worf is unamused because he's seriously pacifist now. There's a holographic crow, and then my goose flesh bumped out on my arms as I saw it, for I knew this would be the moment we have spoken of since episode one. There's music, and I guess Riker has perfect pitch because he's F-sharp. And I, then I was pretty positive his pitch was completely off. Yeah, I have no idea. I didn't check it, and I don't have perfect pitch. But why would they be off? You think I don't they know. would make sure? That- I don't know. I just felt there was a difference between like the footage versus the way he did it. I was like, oh, they're in different... Uh, it was weird. He was like, F sharp, A oh, C, C sharp. A sharp. Well, no sharp. Still playing that trombone, I guess. So mm. the lights go out, and as they make their way through the ship, they are confronted by a man in period dress with a top hat and a pistol, and it's none other than Professor Moriarty, who holds a gun on them and calls them old friends or something like that. Meanwhile, the Titan heads to the Fleet Museum on encircling Athen Prime. They go to hide their ship among the relics, thinking this is a good place to hide. And they are hailed by the leader of the Fleet Museum, the, the person who directs it, none other than Commodore Jordi LaForge, with his new silver, silver fox look. Uh, and LaForge is, you gotta turn off all your systems and he beams aboard with his daughter Alondra played by I am pretty sure his actual daughter Micah Burton yeah Micah Burton because she does a bunch of D&D stuff and cosplay if I'm not mistaken Uh, and I think she hosted something for a Star Trek day a few years ago yes so she shouldn't be wasn't she on like a red carpet red carpet wasn't she like doing like cutaways with somebody can't remember it wasn't the ready room, I don't think. Yeah. She was t- certainly interviewing people. Yeah, it was Star Trek Day, but it wasn't ready room. It was like... Yeah, it was during the pandemic, and she was interviewing folk. I forget quite why. Yes. It was nice to see Michael Burton playing her actual father's daughter and sister to Sydney. Apparently, Alondra seems to get a, be more in the Geordie you know, engineering brain kind of type, and so is hanging out there. On the ship. Anyway, so Jordy comes along. The awkward hugs that we mentioned earlier occur as Jordy is confused as to whether he should be a shake his hand or whatever, because obviously Jordy and uh, Alondra know that Picard is like public enemy number one. And then LaForge says, Picard, we got to talk. And they walk off. And then Jack and Sydney bond over the uh, air quotes, warm greetings that they have had with their father, something they have in common. Oh, we got something in common. It's not a song, but it seems like the right vibe. Jordy and Picard talk. And Picard is trying to sell Jordy on coming along on this adventure, helping them disguise their transponder, yada, yada. And Jordy is, he won't do it because he wants to protect his family. And so he resists Picard's plan. He's like, when we were young and I ran into danger with you, it didn't matter to me. But now I have my family and I can't help. And also, I can't make new transponder signal for you because all the new Starfleet ships are fully integrated, meaning that they can talk to each other over distance. So the Titan, not being so, is a beacon, which then leads Picard to realize, oh, that's how they've been able to track us when we showed up at Daystrom Station and so on and so forth. Meanwhile, on Daystrom Station, the two ships that showed up, the USS Sternbach and the Coal, they have security officers doing a sweep of the station looking for the intruders that might be down there. The team pinned down by Moriarty, who is shooting at them and saying oblique things to them, and the music is still playing. And then Riker recognizes the music after putting it together 
with his perfect pitch. <laughs> He's like, oh, yes, this is a song I once taught Data when I first arrived on the Enterprise and got into the holodeck and Data was sitting in a tree. Something that was mentioned at Data's funeral in the final Star Trek Nemesis. It was an encounter at Farpoint. Part one. Yes. It was that happened at Counter Farpoint and they threw back that foot. I always love they throw back to young Riker footage and he's got that dimpled chin and he's martial arts master Riker. Anyway, he taught data. Pop goes the weasel. He sings the end of that. Moriarty recognizes it, calls it marvelous. Yes, that's how we started our <laughs> session together. Stevie's been whistling <laughs> that and won't stop. <laughs> Can't stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop, pop goes the weasel. So they go past, they get her aunt granted access to a special location, and they discover a new android thing. It's Data, but he's old, and he is the station security AI. So, you don't have to play it. That was my little thing there. Jordy, meanwhile, on the Titan, continues to refuse Picard. Meanwhile, Jack and Seven had a little moment because they're in this ship museum and they're looking at all these ships. And Jack recognizes the Kirk's Enterprise and, oh, the Defiant, which is the ship that was used in the Dominion Wars in Deep Space Nine. And also Voyager, which causes a Seven to, and they play the theme. So beautiful. That, I won't go into a weird story about how I used to sing pie on that, because we used to eat pie, me and my friends, when we watched Voyager, did Voyager rewatches. Pie, 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 because we were always getting new slices of pie. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so anyway, yes. And also a Klingon a bird of prey mm, mm, uh, from Star Trek IV, The Voyage Home, I do believe. Yes, that was found at the bottom of San Francisco Bay. Anyway, that gives Jack some uh, thoughtful ideas. Meanwhile, on Daystrom, the team realizes that this new data is a combo. It's like a lot of, oh, they get a message from Su- Alton Inigo Sung, the Sung from season one of Star Trek Picard saying that, ah, when Picard took my golem, I thought I was going to live forever, but then I realized it's not about living forever. It's about addition. It's about being more. And so he had been working until his death on a new data, which is a combo of a lot of data, before, law, lore, all inside of one mind. And he was trying to integrate them, but they didn't integrate. And it is realized there that data is not the security AI. He is the manifest he has watched all that has happened on the ship and so he would know who came who took what and how so they're like oh we got to get data out of here meanwhile sydney confronts her father on the titans and she's like why won't you help us and he's like family and she's like you tell me that a ship's crew is family i learned that from you she storms out and then jack and alondra and sydney are standing outside the doors and jack's oh yeah it's too bad that your dad won't help us how would you feel about doing a little bit of quote minor larceny to help the ship and the laforge siblings seem down there is a moment where geordie's about to leave a little bit later and we get a delightful scene i gotta say once again the broadness of shaw's character really shines through in these episodes he really started as a taciturn complete asshat then you find out he's a what do you say, a grease monkey from Chicago or something like that? Anyway, he's a complete fanboy of Jordy oh, and uh, does such that. a great job of doing that. I had to watch it twice. It was so good. When uh, Jordy compliments his ship. <laughs> 
Anyway, that was a very fun moment. But as they're having that moment and Jordy's about to leave, the Titan experiences a bunch of electromagnetic bursts as part of the ship go in and out of the visual spectrum. And Jordy and Picard realize that they're kids have perhaps stolen the cloaking device from the Klingon warbird. So now the ship is warped and alarms have been set off and now people are going to be coming after the Titan. So Picard is able to impress upon Jordy the need to help. And so Jordy's like, fine, I'll go to engineering. And he goes into engineering as Sydney and Jack are trying desperately to get this cloaking device to integrate with the ship and doing a terrible job. And Jordy says, I'll do it. I know how to do it. But then he tells Jack, stay away from my daughter, uh, which is a guarantee that they won't stay away from each other. How's that? you'd think. Team on Daystrom manages to free the android. The Titan gets their cloak up. They warp back to Daystrom Institute. They cloak. The teams from the Sternbach and the Cole have converged upon the lab door that the team is in. Uh, Titan contacts the crew. They're like, we can get you out in a couple minutes. We have to uncloak in order to do that. Riker's like, I'm going to hold them off. He takes a phaser and he takes on the teams that are breaching the doors, giving enough time for the rest of the team. That is Worf, Rafi, and air quotes here, Data, new Data, or as I like to call him, old Data, because he looks old and nice, to beam out. However, Riker is captured because he's shot in the back with a transport inhibitor, so he's unable to get out. <sighs> Meanwhile, on the Titan, they arrive, Jordy and Worf have their reunion, and then Jordy sees Data. And I wrote here in parentheses, Aki cries. Jordy is able to bring Data around, but he is also talking to Sydney about how he's like, you know, actually, I'm proud of you. You understood something that I wasn't able to grasp. So there's a nice little father-daughter understanding there. And Picard and Beverly and everyone comes in to see Data awaken and Data comes around, but he's got, he's still an unintegrated personality. So there's all these persons. So he goes through like Data and maybe before, I think at one point, and then definitely he does the little sneer that is lore, but they ask him, Hey, what did Vatican them take from Daystrom that wasn't the anus technology? And he gets stuck in a loop saying, Picard, Picard, Picard. But then they eventually find out by looking at the manifest that it is Picard that they stole. Picard's organic body remains. What are they going to do with that? I wonder these changeling shapes you have dolls. And then finally, we see Riker getting beat up at the day from They're trying to get the information. Where's Picard? And he's like, I'll never tell you. He's got his cool quips. And he's like, how much goo do they pour into you, you loser? And then the interrogator brings out their pew pew. And instead of firing on Riker, they pew the other officers in the room. And then shift to become a gleeful Vatic. <laughs> I did the inhale thing. You did. Good job. Thank you. I've been working on it. Vatic brings Riker to the Shrike, to the holding cells, and Riker's keeping up his good old boy. Like, what are you going to do, torture me? You think after 35 years of service, you're going to torture me? <laughs> I'm William Riker. And then the Vatic's like, oh, no, we won't torture you. And then they open a cell, and it is revealed they have held prisoner, none other than Deanna Troy, who, upon seeing Riker, says, oh, well. And here endeth episode six. Season three, the Star Trek Picard. Let's chat about that. I say, darling, let's do a quick chat about that. Wow, what an episode. Mm. Do you think, my final thought was, do you think that was really Deanna or do you think that was a changeling? I don't know. I My thought just as the episode ended was that if it's really Deanna, she'll be able to communicate telepathically with Will. And if it's a changeling, probably not. She can't communicate sort of... with him. Yes, she can. 
Kenji? Remember, that? I think even in season one, they like, because they had previous history, she had taught him how to oh, yes. talk. Yeah, That's so they were right. able to speak. Yeah, so I'm interested in how that goes. But also, Deanna saying, oh, Will, makes me feel like, I think there's be, there'll be some fun breakout shenanigans with Deanna and Riker. I hope. I was really worried that we'd be doing Faith of the Heart for Riker. Because mm. uh, he got left behind. I was like, they wouldn't. But maybe they would. He was getting would. a good smack for a gentleman who's in his 60s. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, he's an old, he's a tough guy. Uh, we'll find out if that's, but I was going to say, oh yeah, Vatic in the beginning, remember in the beginning, she's like, can't find Picard, then we'll find everyone he's ever known and we'll sweep the rug out from under him that way. So it's possible that they went and stole Deanna somehow in order to have leverage on Picard. Because now if they say we have not only Riker, but Deanna Troy, maybe Picard is like, I got to do what I got to do. I don't know. Data, new old Data. New old data before lore data. Alton Sung says it's not about preservation, it's about addition and thinking that this will create a sense of experience and and a living mind for data. And I do think it's weird how they are like, oh, he's got separate minds. He's like a human or whatever when he's coming around. I don't know how that's going to all integrate. One hopes it will integrate into a sentient, feeling, talking, walking, thoughtful data. We'll see. I don't know. It's the reunions where it was a big, this was a big reunions episode. Worf, the Forge, Data. We basically got the whole team together at this point, right? Is anyone missing? Deanna, I guess. Was yeah, Deanna really hasn't had the big reunion. That's right. Okay, so more tension, but hopefully they'll soon all be together on the bridge with their kids and stuff, and they'll save the universe with their kids. This is a big kids episode. Big, uh... Mostly fathers and their children misunderstandings and resolutions episode. Jack eventually goes to Picard and say, even though I got all this cool stuff from my mom and this disease from you, I also got some good stuff from you. And Sydney is all those times that I broke all those speeders so that I could hang out with you while you fix them. And Jordy's, I'm really proud of you. I was trying to protect you in a way that was unnatural. And I see that you've become a real Starfleet officer with a lot of beautiful emotional parents. So I thought that was a nice touch. Are you surprised, though, that Geordi has become so risk-averse? No, I'm not. Geordi has a nice big family. It makes sense that he's like, well, now I have these children whom I love, and I don't want to see them go into the maw of death like everyone else did. It made sense to me. He came around, but it seems like maybe for the last 20 years he's been like, you know what, I want to keep people protected, and we don't need to always be facing a huge existential crisis. Like he says to Ricard, oh, it's always life and death. It's always the universe or the galaxies on the line. Let me protect my kids. And also when they decide to join up, he tells Alondra to contact her mom and tell them that they won't be home for dinner. So I think he's become a very domesticated. And Jordy was always looking for love. Yeah. What was it he said to Picard? And he was like, oh, trust you to create an intergalactic something or other. Oh, yeah. Is that in your quotable moments? It is not in my quotable moments. It's not. But, yeah, mm. he's. it's all, it's like your father and son stuff, and he's leave it to you to, I forget what the context of that was. One more question. Commodore versus Admiral. Yeah. Which one's higher? I think Admiral is higher. I think Commodore is a kind of step, a sidestep away from like the sort of chain of command but i'm not sure though i think admiral is the highest you can go in the u.s navy i don't know where commodore really fits in because that's a arcane yeah. archaic term i can't recall coming across a commodore in star trek history yeah it could Before? be that 
a Commodore has certain sorts of power, but is not like in active service or military service or something to that effect. I don't know. <sighs> All right. Who can say? Well, hello and welcome back to the set phasers desk we go immediately to easter egg stevie hello how's it going out there well hi there rocky it is good we are out here in space of course on the set of star trek picard season three episode six the bounty Mm. and we have a plethora of easter eggs for you this was just episode kind of went beyond easter eggs like it it was more than just things in the background there were things that were right in front of you we had moriarty we had the crow with data we had footage throwing back to encounter at firepoint and obviously the, the name of the episode telegraphs out the biggest easter egg which reveals the plot of the episode the klingon bird of prey known as the hms bounty but anyway so to me this whole episode transcends the concept fan service as it typically exists as tactile things in the Trek universe as far as Easter eggs go. So I don't know, I had a lot of fun with it. So obviously we had HMS Bounty, originally featured in The Search for Spock and The Voyage Home. Of course, when Kirk and the crew stole this bird of prey in The Search for Spock, it wasn't yet called Bounty. Bones gave it that name in The Voyage Home as a result of a fine sense of historical irony. In real life in 1789, People did organize a shipboard mutiny against William Bly on a ship called the Bounty. Oh, maybe that's maybe that HMS is that historical irony. There you go. Jack's Captain Kirk fandom. We had two fanboys in this episode, Captain Shaw and Jack for Captain Kirk, which is quite funny if you think about it, because growing up, us TNG fans mm-hmm. were obviously thinking that Picard was the best captain. And yet our parents were like, well, Kirk was the best captain. So I think it's quite the irony that Jack Crusher, Picard's son, thinks that Kirk was the best captain. Mm, yes. Is not lost on me. Loved that. I agree with that, yes. Also, Jack's got some Kirk in him. He's very slouching He's in that captain's chair. <laughs> yes, 100%. So that was quite fun. Okay, Kirk's body on the Daystrom station, mm. obviously. So when Riker and Worf enter the Hall of East, it's literally a Hall of Easter eggs. It is so a Hall of Easter eggs, yes. Yeah. Including another version of the Genesis device mm-hmm. and a genetically modified attack tribble. That was quite a moment. I did enjoy that. That was very when... weird to me. I was like, ah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> we do get a shot of Kirk's remains, which actually I missed. So I need to go back and watch that again. Mm-hmm. Did you see it? G- yeah, glance. I think I was too much in of everything that we were seeing and I the genesis device was like a big one for me because i was like oh i recognize the genesis device yes we see his remains but i didn't really see them yeah now this means that section 31 literally dug up kirk's dead body on viridian 3 after picard buried him there at the end of star trek generation that's what it must mean it must yeah which is creepy but also symbolically relevant to the story of the next generation crew kirk's body and what was left of the enterprise d were both left on viridian 3 which in 1994 signified the end of two eras Mm -hmm. the original cast and also the original cast was no longer part of star trek in the mainstream but also the heyday of tng was over because the enterprise d was over yes so they're being very clever either that or i'm just reading we're reading too much into this now so we had the easter eggs in daystrom station and then we had the easter eggs of all the ships Mm mm-hmm that Seven went through. So we had the Enterprise A, the Voyager, the Defiant, and the USS New Jersey. Yes, the USS New Jersey. Have we seen that before? We probably have. I didn't Google it. It's It could be anything. Wait. It could be. There must be some sort of significance. 
Yeah, I'm not picking it up, but I'm sure people mm-hmm. are screaming at their phones right now telling us where it's of from. Of course, no doubt. I mean, I didn't pick up on it, yes. Okay, so data. Obviously, Riker waxes poetic about the Easter eggs relating to data on the Daystrom station, the tune that he shared decades ago with a dear friend, one yes, who dreamt indeed. of crows, aspired to thwart Moriarty, and somebody who couldn't whistle worth a damn. Yeah, and obviously the retro footage. So during this trip down memory lane, the purpose of Data's journey is made clear. Holmes couldn't die because the public demanded he be brought back. And this is in real life. Arthur Conan Doyle had to bring him back and created this ridiculous brought back from life thing. Mm-hmm. Yes. And Data's journey clearly wasn't over until he became properly human either. Wowie, 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 wow. And that's all Easter eggs I have for you, Aki. And it's back to you in the studio. Thank you very much, Stevie and Lightning, as always. And we go immediately now to quotable moments. Quotable moments. I have tons. What have you got? You've got tons? Well, okay, let's see. My, obviously, I'll just go in order as I wrote them down. Vatic, we will scorch the earth on which he stands, and the night will brighten with the ashes of the Federation. I love a a super verbal, vengeful villain. And see, oh, yes, when Riker and Worf meet and they're about to go down to the station, Worf says, Captain Riker, you should know that I now prefer pacifism to actual combat. Energize. And as they're energizing, Riker says, we're all going to die. As he's, oh, he's just, yes. Love yeah, that. He's so sad that Worf doesn't want to fight anymore. And then if I'll just keep going, then you can add this. My last one. Worf, after Riker has been taken, he says to Picard, I will find him, Admiral. I will bring William Riker home and fearful be the god or man or beast that stands in my way. <laughs> Very um, Greek. So Greek. I guess. I yes. I've got, I think my absolute favorite. So I'm going to start with this. Worf. I have gone into battle with lovers countless times. It can be therapeutic. Seven. Mm. I'm not going. And Worf, oh, that's a relief. I was practicing deceit. Breakups on my homeworld seldom end without bloodshed. Yes, that was a classic one. Classic. So good. So good. Worf, tread lightly. We will not be prey. We will be friendly energy. Mm-hmm. And Riker, friendly energy. I don't understand the world anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh so good. good. Oh, let's see. Rafi, Jean-Luc, you're never going to believe this, but this Klingon, he's been meditating. And Worf goes, the most advantageous battle stance is being one with oneself. Beautiful. I Riker, love that one. Yeah, but then Riker's like, whoa, seriously? Yeah. And Worf's like, I just said it. <laughs> <laughs> just their little, like, barbs between each other. Yes. And then when they're walking through Daystrom Institute and... He laughs when Worf gets a bit of a fright from the Tribble. He, he makes a comment and he said, what happened to you? You used to poke back. Oh, Riker. He lost his good friend. Yeah. He always picked Worf for those away missions because yeah. he liked him. Yes. But it, what was it Worf said? He said something like, and I see you haven't changed. You like, you, you, you still... find humor in others, discomfort and comfort in others, dis- something. Yes. Humor in others, just, wait, no, something like that. Humor in others, discomfort and, and something before comfort that. And... It was like you still find yeah. something in other humor and others' discomfort. It was. It was. It was a good poetic line. turn of phrase. But then, after mm. Riker's been taken, Worf is like, "All bets are off. Fearful be the god or man or beast." Maybe I think come the end of the series, they'll return to barbs. Back to back. They're barbed remarks. Fighting changelings or something. Obviously, Worf still fights. He threw down to save Rafi. Chopped that guy's head off. <laughs> he just likes to meditate and drink chamomile tea now. 
Yes, with sugar or milk, mm-hmm. apparently. <sighs> do take, do take milk. Do take milk. Uh, anything else? Next time on Set Phasers. Yes, next time on Set Phasers, we'll talk about episode seven of season three of Star Trek Picard, entitled, get this, Dominion. So hopefully we'll get to figure out what's going on with these changelings. If you have enjoyed this episode of Set Phasers, you can find all of our back episodes wherever you get your podcasts. We've covered start all the episodes of Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard, Star Trek Lower Decks, and oh yes, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, the season from last year. And oh, what a thing that is. If you want to catch up, you can catch up with us. And then you can be up to date and you you can catch us wherever we drop episodes every Monday, as long as I am in my right mind between Thursday and Sunday. And and, uh, you can get those wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also, you could, you could, what do you do the thing? You rate, not rate, you can leave a review, a comment, review. I don't know what it's called. Just sure. Or, or share with a friend. Share with a friend. If you have nerdy friends, do that. Just your Star Trek friend be like, hey, have you checked out this podcast? Pretty sweet. Mm very it's fun and of course if you are a, a, if you want to join us on our mission and go with us uh, where nerds go then join us on patreon.com forward slash set phasers for zoom hangs watch parties exclusives behind the scenes and more at patreon.com forward slash set phasers yes indeed and you can find us on instagram and facebook with set phasers podcast meme game strong so strong in fact that people are stealing from us without giving us credit by us i mean stealing they are yeah I know. I called them out on it, and they, they actually finally tagged me. Oh, that's me, nice. So. Okay, cool. Thanks. All right. Steelers. That's, um, anyway, that's it from us. Until next time, I am Stevie Manns. And I, too, have a knack for poetic drive-by observations. And this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Computer. End program. Computer.